these tools are for you to use Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, a show where I have lighthearted conversations about the heaviest possible shit with artists and activists and anyone who spends their life reimagining this world. I want to talk to them about the possibility of the next world. My guest this episode is Gary Richardson. Gary is one of my oldest friends in comedy. We started improvising together at the now defunct IO Theater in 2009-ish. We were on two Herald teams, uh, Neapolitan and the legendary, in my mind, sports team. Gary has been writing for Saturday Night Live for a couple years now, and so it makes sense that he is very funny throughout this episode. Whether he is predicting his own early death from calling cops ugly, or he's talking about how funny it is to him that you would have a great spread at your funeral. And it also feels really telling that the memory he'd choose to relive is a moment of not just pure joy, but actually discovering how powerful and potent laughter can be. But of course, we get into heavy shit too. And it's not just heavy death shit, it's heavy life shit. At one point, he talks about moving to New York and becoming a more authentic version of himself. And this is after coming up as an 18-year-old black guy in a hella white Chicago comedy community on the north side. We talk about how it felt like a parallel universe when he discovered these bits of seemingly universal white culture, which were especially apparent at karaoke. Now, I won't spoil the first band that blew his mind, but I will say he and I have talked about this karaoke thing before, which is why I bring up Bush. You know, like, breathe in, breathe out, like that Bush. I know, I think that's from a song called Machine Head. I know they have an album, 16 Stone. And that is pretty much all I know about Bush. And all of that information I got from the cool alternative girl that I knew in seventh grade. But when Gary first told me in an earlier conversation that Bush was an example of a band that all white people knew and he had never heard of at all, it was just so funny to me. It felt like a very correct observation. And the reason I point all this out is because it's 2020, right? We're dismantling all sorts of shit. We're becoming aware of cultures and traditions and atrocities and systems we may not have seen before, rightly or wrongly. And people get tense talking about this stuff, understandably. I do too sometimes. But I just want to say that these conversations don't always have to be fraught. One of the pleasures of trying to figure out something as unknowable and intangible as the afterlife is that in discussing it, we get to learn stuff about each other, like concrete things, like even heavy things about race and culture and identity. And it can be as fun as coming to a sudden realization that Bush is a supremely white band. That said, thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the podcast in whatever app you use, rated it, reviewed it. Please keep doing those things. I know you're used to hearing it. I know by now you're used to hearing me saying you're used to hearing it. I get it. If you like the show, or if you hate the show, I'm curating five-star and one-star reviews. So please, leave one for this show. You can find me at This Is Dave Marr on Instagram, Twitter. Gary is fortunate enough to not be on any social media. So I guess just watch SNL 
when it comes out this fall. And now, please enjoy my conversation with Gary Richardson. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like... I need you to give me three introductions in three different scenarios. Scenario one is you are introducing yourself to a stranger in a rideshare. Okay. Number two is to a person at a party who you are excited to meet. Okay. And number three is St. Peter at the gates of heaven. Turns out Christianity was right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Hey man, I got this list. Uh, Gary Richardson's, you can imagine there's a lot of them. I just need you to be more specific. Help me figure out like which Gary Richardson. Okay, cool. Um, so let's see, uh, in a ride share, you know, I'm just like, yo, what's up? I'm Gary. Uh, I'm a writer, you know, uh, like if we're, if that's the conversation that we're having, I, I guess, you know, you're not going to offer, you don't walk, you don't step into the car and you're like, Hey, uh, I'm Gary. I'm a writer. Nope. I, I guess I'm just like, I'm just like, yo, is this for Gary? It's like, yep. So you'll tell people you're a writer. What's the follow-up question people ask you when they say you're a writer? Um, there's not a typical one cause folks don't really give a shit about writers. Cause if someone tells me they're a writer, my first assumption is fiction or journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a follow-up, it is probably, probably like what kind of stuff. And I'm just like, Oh, TV. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. So party, if they're like, what's your deal? What's my deal? I'm like, I'm just a writer. I'm just kicking it. That's it. I keep things as vague as possible. For as long as possible. <laughs> How long does it take to go specific, to go not vague? Um, I mean, if somebody asks a specific question, then I'll do that. If somebody actually seems interested in that, but I find it hard to believe anybody's ever like, no, no, give me the juice. Are you ever like, are there ever industry parties where you feel like you have to like pitch yourself a little bit and like talk about what you do, like lead with it forward a little bit more? Not really, because I'm also like, so young in the industry i've been doing it for like a few years now like been like working consistently for a few years but i'm still like so low on the totem pole that i'm like industry parties i show up for free food and booze yeah it's like straight up me and some homies pulling up six deep in the lift you know and it's like we show up a little a little turn and it's like yep we're about to get here about to get all these fucking drinks this shit's free i'm out here to make them regret it (laughs) that's my shit dog what are they regretting that they ever decided to work with me in any capacity. Cause I'm out there. I'm out there eating it all up. I'm following waiters around. <laughs> I'm like, yo, where them little burgers at? And like, but the little burgers coming out here next. I'm like, then we posting up, I'm getting these little burgers and I'm going to the bar, whatever the nicest booze is. That's what I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. So you're at, you're at the gates of heaven. St. Peter's heaven. there. He's like, yep. yeah, tell me, tell me which Gary Richardson you are. Say, uh, Gary Richardson, you know, I was probably knocking around from, uh, 1989 till 2022. Um, <laughs> you know, I was just down there doing my thing. You're not the first person to predict your own early demise on this show, I will say. Yeah, I mean, that's just how it feels right now. That's just how it feels. <laughs> okay, how, how? sorry, maybe uh, cause of death will help me out. Can you... Cause of death, uh, I called too many cops ugly, and they got upset. They got upset and let your boy have it. Okay. You know how they be down there fucking tripping. <laughs> you know how them bitch-ass cats got down there tripping. <laughs> and he's going to be like, all word up, I feel you, dog. I'm like, yeah, but you know I was down there doing my thing before that. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people 
you know, when it's, when it's cops, it's not usually um, ugliness that, that is, that causes it. Yeah. They just insecure. Yeah. They just insecure. So I'll be out there flaming them. Absolutely. Letting them have it. Didn't think it was going to go the way that it went, but it did. And now here I am trying to get into the land of milk and honey. Let me in, dog. Come on. <laughs> Why are you playing with me, dog? Let me in. <laughs> I'm not playing with you, man. You're, you're. I'm trying to tell you you're in. Okay, bet. Yeah, yeah. You're tell going on. You're yeah. going on. <laughs> I'm saying you're in, man. You've been in. The gate's been open. The question is funeral planning. Is there anything you know you want at your funeral or? writ large just how you want people to mourn you or celebrate uh all i know is i want a pretty banging food spread okay what is a banging food spread to you uh obviously I don't little know. burgers for sure that but i don't i don't even know what i don't there's no specific foods but i just want it all to be so good because i think it's so funny the idea that like if somebody's talking about me seven eight years after i'm dead and they're like man the funeral was like whatever but then burgers was banging you know if if like if the first thing that anybody has to say good about my funeral is that the food was great i think that's so funny to me well it is wild even not 8 years later to think of someone at the funeral like they're i mean you know you're doing funeral shit you're being yeah. sad as hell and then but then to take a moment to be like holy fuck like these ribs are incredible <laughs> like it's like a really weird, it's great. weird yeah. combo of things moment. Yeah. Yeah. To be like, be like, man, everybody's here being like quiet and hushed. And somebody got to be like, hey, you got to try these crab cakes. And it's like, what? Where'd you get this recipe? You know what? Yeah. This was the mac and cheese they served at Gary's funeral. <laughs> I think that's so funny. That is really good. I think that's like fly. And just like, if somebody's ever like talking about like, Oh, what's the like best pasta you've ever had? And somebody's like, I'll tell you where the best pasta was. <laughs> this yo, fucking my, yo, death my, pasta. Yeah. My fucking homie died. Insulting cops' appearances. Exactly. You should have seen these cops. So they was ugly as fuck. These cops were so fucking ugly. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> and it's crazy because they were Italian and this pasta was the best fucking bucatini I've ever tasted. Unbelievable. In Unbelievable. Okay. So food. Is there any anything else? I don't know, man. I just want to have enough pallbearers for real. Uh, what do you mean? Are you expecting to be like way bigger? No, no. I remember going to with my mom to a funeral for her stepdad and there weren't enough pallbearers as a kid. I was like a kid and I went and I was like, oh, this is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh my God. Just like because, because he um, just didn't have enough friends. I couldn't tell you. I don't know if he didn't have enough friends or his friends all passed before he did. But whatever the case, there weren't enough people there. And like they had to get like funeral staff and stuff to come in and help out with it. And it really fucked me up. And I was like, nope, got to have friends. How gotta, old gotta know enough. I had to be, I want to say I had to be in like seventh or eighth grade. Okay. So you yeah. were old enough that you weren't just like contextless. You had like a sense of like, this has something to do with the, this isn't just a here in this moment, lack of manpower situation. And even if it was like a thing, I was just like, oh, it hit, it read to me as a, yeah, 
interpersonal issue where I was like, oh, nope, got to have more homies. I truly think that like I became a more outgoing person after that. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, oh, I definitely remember how outgoing I was in like elementary school and middle school. And then it wasn't like I was like Mr. Popular in high school because I wasn't at all. But I was just like willing to like talk to anybody. I like was it's easier for me to make friends now. I like don't mind talking to people. Yeah. And I don't know how conscious of a thing it was, but I was just like, I, in my head, in retrospect, cause like that's like a watershed moment for me. You get to relive one memory completely, not like memory, not remembering it in your head, like fully dropping down back into it. You're not stuck in it. It's just like a room of the afterlife you can step into whenever you want. Mm -hmm. What memory would you choose? Um, I remember being in, I had to be in, I would say sixth grade. So my younger brother was in fourth grade or in second grade. It actually might've been fifth and first actually, because he was like younger. Um, We were at my grandma's house and my, uh, Mom was picking us up to drive us back home. Uh, it was like after school one day. I don't remember how we got over to my grandma's house, but we were over there for whatever reason. It might, might have been the summer. It probably was the summer if we were over there. So it's the summertime. I'm in fifth grade. My younger brother's in first grade. We're in my mom's car driving back to our house. And I forget what the conversation is, but I'm talking about something pretty like ethereal or whatever. And my little brother goes, hey, bro, he's in the backseat. He goes, bro, you got to be more Pacific. And my mom said, excuse me, Pacific. And he said, oh, my bad, bro, you got to be more Pacific. And I lost my, my mom had to like pull over because she was like in tears. And we were like, this was one of the wildest. <laughs> I could not believe it. And it was, I don't think I've laughed that hard. I don't think anything's caught me as off guard as that since fifth grade. To know how good I felt laughing at that. The idea that laughs can feel that good is crazy to me. The idea that like, I wasn't having a bad day at all, but that, it took it to a a completely different level. Like the, it was a, it was pure joy, you know, like I... We had to pull over because we were laughing so hard it was out of control. Like, I didn't know it could feel this good, you know? (laughs) What's up? It's Dave. If you like This Is Your Afterlife, you should go to thisisdavemar.com and sign up for my free newsletter, Hella Immaculate. Every week in the newsletter, I share, one, a micro-essay about an aspect of creativity or culture, like the creative lessons of Drag Race Thailand or the visionary anti-racism of Hoobastank. Two, a hyper-specific playlist, for example, 90s Beach Xanax or Pelot de Don set for 2008 Pitchfork Music Festival after party where I saw Julia Stiles. And finally, a few actions we can take to pour water on our world on fire. Hella Immaculate is a way for me to connect with audiences beyond live venues and across the globe. And it's the best way to learn about classes I'm teaching, podcast updates, eventual live shows, and whenever I'm typecast as a homeless addict again on a TV show set in Chicago. Again, go to thisisdavemar.com to subscribe to my newsletter, Hella Immaculate. 
As you may know, I'm a DIY operation, so please tell your friends. A hard vouch means everything. Back to the show. Okay, so my last big question okay. is what's your coma? Which just means, you know, in the way that I was in this coma for a month, what is a moment like that for you where it feels like one version or part of you died and something new was born? Mm-hmm. Um, my first Christmas in New York. I uh, had just moved to New York. I think like one week before Christmas, I like got here. I like left Chicago thinking I would drive straight to New York and like sign a lease for this place in Queens. And on the drive up, the dude texted me and was like, oh, hey, somebody else swung by and we like gave him the apartment. And I was like, no, word up, word up. But then like a different friend hit me up and was like, hey, I don't know if you're still looking for a place, but my friend's moving out of Greenpoint. Uh, and would like rent it to you. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll go check it out. And I went to it and it was like cheap Mm -hmm. and bad. Uh, But I was like, yeah, this is going to have to be it. And my mom was like, I can pay for you to come home if you want to come home for Christmas. And I was just like, nah, it was, I was like, no, I'm, I'm a grown man. I made this choice to come here now. Um, So like, this is the bed I made. I gotta, I gotta sleep in this. And I was just like in my apartment alone and really had to kind of just like sit with myself and like realize like, oh, these were decisions that I made in a way that like I don't think I had before. And it'd be like, oh no, I'm here because I chose to be here. Like I could have waited. I could have moved after the new year. I could have done any number of things different. I could have like gotten more real jobs. I could have gigged more, made more money in Chicago. But I like, I made the choices that put me in this place right now. And uh, I'm sure I had similar conversations before, but like it was the first time that I sat with myself like that. And uh had to be like, okay, no, this is you. This is you. This is who you are. Take note. Think about who you're trying to be, where you're trying to be. I feel like, I feel like after that, I really became a more authentic version of myself. I think because I was like, here, I didn't have many friends. Uh, I think I just had to like be comfortable with myself in a way that like in Chicago, I definitely wasn't. So in this transformation, you know, there's like slow realizations mm-hmm. and then there's like epiphanies. Yeah. Was there a moment when you're like, I don't know, I'm imagining like eating soup out of a can or something and you're like, fuck, I need to change my life right now. No, I think I was eating some like delivery lasagna and watching a pirated copy of Ender's Game on a TV. (laughs) Dude, delivery lasagna is some real, that's an interesting choice. Bro, I was just out here swinging. I was looking for anything to kind of ground me. And that just happened to be the choice I made. Okay. Was this on Christmas Day? Christmas Day. Yeah. How was Ender's Game? Trash. (laughs) So bad, dog. It's crazy. I haven't gone back to look at it, but it's so bad. It's fucked up. And it's like, I don't even like love the book, but I was like, damn, this is what y'all did with that? Y'all didn't didn't have to make this movie, but also get your money, dog, if that's what y'all trying to do. So was that a moment of clarity like that where you're like, what the fuck is this right now? No, there was no only looking back. It was just a sad day. It was just like a day that was like, damn, it's Christmas and I'm out here with no friends uh, chasing some shit because I think I'm good. I hope I'm good. 
Did you think about the pallbearer shit? No. Because mm, that feels like echoes of that a little bit to me. How so? Just like you're in this house, you're feeling like you have no friends. You're like, oh shit, am I on the track to not have enough pallbearers at my funeral? Yeah, no, I kind of, I mean, because I had friends in Chicago. I knew I had friends, right, right, but right. I didn't have any friends where I was. Um, and I was like, I moved because I like believed in myself. I moved because I was like, yeah, I, I can do this. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a, what have I done moment? I was like, no, I made these choices because I'm, I'm here because I'm, because I think I can do this. I deserve to be here. This is what I'm doing. This is it. And it's also, I mean, like at least like when we talk about when we were performing together more, it is like, I think that there was like an assumed, I think that it was like, I think it's so easy to subvert expectations when like so many people like are placing the expectations on you, you know, it's like, I was like, a young black dude doing improv comedy on the North side of Chicago. It's like, it's not hard to like, everybody's like, well, you shouldn't be here. It's not hard to be better than like, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's not hard to be better than that. Did you feel like that actively or did it feel? Definitely. I mean like more, more passively for sure. Definitely more passively, but it is like, I still felt it. It's like, I was like 18. Everybody else was like 25. I was like black. Everybody else was white. It's just like, this is wild. What, what were things, did you ever make specific moves? Cause you were like, they're not going to be expecting this. No, not really. I never like, it feels weird to say, but like, I never really thought about improv. You know I mean? Like it's like when doing it, I was just like, I'm gonna just do, I'm gonna just do the shit that I think is funny. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was never like, like I still don't think, I mean, I haven't done improv in a long time, but it's like, I can't imagine that even now I'd be like, oh shit, if I did this thing, it could call back to that. And then we're bringing this world together. I'm like, yeah, that was never really my shit. I'm going to just get out there. And uh... Damn, I was doing that shit all the time. <laughs> I was literally like, I would have like four things in my back pocket. I'm like, all right, if this happens, I do this. If this happens, I do mm-hmm. that. These are the threads that need sewing up. If we don't sew up these threads, I'm going to resent the people on this team for the next three <laughs> days. <laughs> I was like, I'm about to get out here. I'm about to get these jokes off. Hopefully I say something funny and then we black out and then we go on about our days. But did you ever feel like tokenized in, in where people were like, thought you were, where it felt like they were gushing disproportionately over you, where they were like, oh, you're so great it, because you were also the only 18 year old black dude in the community? Um, A little bit, but I also thought I was so great you know I was like I was like man I'm like 19 years old I'm out here killing this shit they can't tell me nothing I shouldn't be out here and I'm the fucking man you know like I'm the fucking man like get the fuck out my face but also like I uh had like I was like pretty well regarded and I was like I don't really have any problems leaving a conversation if it feels weird I don't really talk to people I don't want to talk to so I don't find myself in those positions too often you know yeah were there like white scenes that you were like, why the fuck does this scene keep happening? Yes. Like, what were they? Yes. I mean, I don't know. There's so much shit. There's like, there's like so many things that are like such a like white experience that I'm just like, we had this conversation before. I was talking about uh, karaoke. Yeah. And just like these, like, there's like this whole white world that I'm like, I was so young and like not from that world that I just didn't know that this was like a universal experience for white people. 
you know? What, well, so what are those like universal white experiences for lack of a better um, word? And there's a thing that I know that if, okay, if we're doing an improv scene and we're like, and it's like the like show is about college and like all this shit or whatever, it is a white party thing for a dude to pick up a guitar, you know? <laughs> That like that like that's a white party thing. What is there uh, a black party version of that? Maybe, but it definitely ain't picking up a guitar and like, <laughs> okay. like yeah. what I would have to say is like, I don't know, because now it feels like to try to go one to one makes it sound like whatever I'm saying is going to be like going to sound racist or something, you know? Or like I'm trying to think of what it is, like because it because it's not like cats sitting around and like freestyling is the same thing right you know? right that was like the first thing that came to my mind yeah 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 i don't know what the one-to-one is um and there are black dudes like play guitar obviously but to be honest guys sitting around freestyling in my experience is also a white party thing yeah which is true. especially rough that's like dude. crazy that's like crazy yeah that does happen and it is like wild it's it's these oh man there's like comics who are like, I'm not just a comic. I'm like actually a pretty good rapper. And it's like, actually, you're not. And you're actually bad at both. <laughs> you're actually like not really a comic either. Yeah. <laughs> but, but believe it or not, dog, you actually work at TSA. And that's what you do. <laughs> yeah, you are. A, that's what it is. Remind me, what was the karaoke version of this? Uh, the Presidents of the United States of America. Right. Presidents of the United States. You had never heard Peaches until you came to Chicago. I had never heard that. I never. I came to Chicago and was like at a karaoke bar. I think it was Lump was the song that I heard. Okay. And everybody was like singing this song, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" You like you're in like an alternate what? reality. Yeah, I was like, "How does everybody know this song? This is crazy to me." Yeah, I've never heard this song in my life, and everybody's going up for it everybody's going hard <laughs> which is like such it is the presidency of the united states is such spastic white music too mm-hmm. and i say that as someone who like for a while i really prided myself on really liking the second presidents of the united states album not the first one because it was mm-hmm. more like it was more underground so i'm like well, I like volcano, man. I, I'm not a I'm not a peaches. I'm not a lump guy. Like I'm an it's gonna yeah. blow. Ooh, whoa, 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 volcano guy. <laughs> you might as well have been speaking Portuguese, dog. That is crazy to me. <laughs> I'm just sitting here nodding, like yeah, for yeah. sure. But honestly, dude, the thing that killed me even more than Princeton's of the United States was Bush, dude. Bush is such a fucking like. Uh, just perfect, like white mediocrity band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ascension of it. The ascension of it. The ascension of white mediocrity. Oh yeah, right. Yes, to the to the tippy top. You know, right. I mean, and like yeah, grunge mediocrity. I mean, just like yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine if there was like, there are no. Like black arts that are like, well, this art exists because it's bad, or because it's like, like in the way that like garage rock is like, oh, but yeah, like we're like, like I forget what punk band is, but they're like, oh, these these guys wouldn't practice, and that's what is actually I'm sure a lot of about them. 
punk bands. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I I know what you're saying, but I think that's complicated too because it's like so much of the punk and you know, maybe this is just because it's like very near and dear to my heart, the like punk sure, mythos, yeah. but like it's a I would love a better understanding. Well, it's like a response to this like these giant uh arena rock bands that like felt so sure. distant. The idea that you would ever that that was an an option if you if you liked music that you could ever be one of those people was like was absurd. And so then when it's like you don't have to be good at this instrument. You don't have to it but but I, but then not practicing is a little bit different for me. It's like you don't mm-hmm. have to have a bunch of training. You don't have a, have to have to have a bunch of skills. You just have to like go hard at it. Mm-hmm. Like the Minutemen are my favorite band, right? They right. spent the first right. couple years of their musical existence and they were, but the thing is they're practicing every day. They thought that the tuning pegs for the strings mm-hmm. on the guitars were just about how tight or loose you liked your strings. Mm-hmm. They are literally the things that control the like beauty of the sound of the instrument. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is aesthetic. And who knows what the fuck it sounded like, right? Eventually, they got hella sophisticated musically. They're combining all these different influences. So it's not, to me, it's not a rejection of any learning or, or okay. certainly not of excellence, but it is an embrace of where you're at right now and like doing what you can. Right. And I feel like there are a lot of black arts that do that. Absolutely. That absolutely. That explanation of it is crystallizes so many things for me. Okay. Yeah. Had that never, you've never heard that explanation of it before. Not in that way. Not so much where it's like, it's not about the rejection of excellence, but it is about like an embrace of where you are. No, I don't think so. wrap up with this one question lightning round and it is just kill one thing one thing in culture Mm -hmm. or in everyday life that you're like i could fully deal with this never existing whoa um shit i don't know i feel like anything that i'm thinking of is like i can also see folks fucking with that you know i don't want to take something what other folks are fucking with it's what about you don't fuck with you're too altruistic with this shit man i need you to like be a little selfish here. Okay, you want me to be selfish? All right. Um, fuck, man, this is tough. I'm trying to think of. That's so funny. I think this is a real, um, a real distinction between your the way you think and the way I think because this uh-huh. is the easiest question <laughs> in the world for me to think of. I could rattle off. I mean, I could rattle off a hundred people if you let me you know, forget mm-hmm. phenomena, forget things, uh, you know, mm-hmm. then we, then we go into inanimate objects. Then we go into, into <laughs> habits. Like, dude, I mean, I'm, we're going in the thousands. Well, people I can for sure go off on, you know, people I can definitely, I can definitely drop a couple off the face of the earth right now. But let's see, I'm trying to think about like, damn, what would I get rid of? Uh, I don't know. Oh yeah. I'm not really fucking with, uh, yeah. The shit that I would get rid of is like the like culture around take your shoes off. Well, okay, what do you mean? The culture around where it's like, yo, my house is nice, like, take your shoes off or everybody walking around with socks in here. You don't like that? No. No. Why not? 
because I spend bread on shoes, you know? I like my sneakers, dog. I like my sneakers. And also, I don't trust everybody in here, dog. I don't know if somebody didn't. I, I don't know what's going on in here. I don't want to step in something wet. Now I got a wet sock, dog, because somebody dropped a drink. That shit's whack. No, that shit is lame. I want to keep my shoes on. I don't know what I'm going to have to leave. I don't want to have to look for my shoes when I got to leave a party. That is fucking weak. Where Get are out you, of here. What, are, are you showing up and that's happening and then the shoes are just getting moved? Like, how do you, what do you mean you have to look for them? It's not that hard. Because there's like a bunch of shoes there, but it's also like if I'm at a party and I'm like having a good time, I'm probably like a little drunk at least. Right. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I got to like, what, sit on the fucking ground and put my shoes on? <laughs> No. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm not doing that. This is fucking whack. You can sit on something else. You can lean against a wall. You can stand up free and just put your shoes on. No way. I sit down and I put my shoes on. <laughs> like a little boy. <laughs> Who's just stand up? So I'm going to stand up and just stick my foot in my shoe and just stomp on the back of it? No, dude. I'm saying you stand on one leg. You You slide it in that way. Or you sit on a mm-hmm. chair, you slide it in that way. I mean, I'm not the best at putting my shoes on. I like, I'm kind of wobbling around sometimes doing this stork thing. But and you wouldn't have to do that if you didn't have to take your shoes off. <laughs> you wouldn't have to do that. All right, all that everybody everybody leaves when they want to leave. We're just all out here chilling. That's that's we're saving precious minutes. That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Gary again on TV. He has a great short film called Places. Thank you, Places. You can check that out. I think it's on Vimeo. But if you just search Gary Richardson, Places, or Places, Thank You, Places, you'll find that. Again, you can find me at This Is Dave Marr. Go to my website, thisisdavemar.com, to sign up for that newsletter, Hella Immaculate. I'm very, very proud of it. Subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it. Those little things do make a difference for me. And I will talk to you next week. Have faith. You are human. Only human. Only human.